Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. Thanks for listening. We are not two men. We are ten men. Listen. Good morning, everybody. It's Iron Radio. This is Phil Stevens. I am a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and currently training in boxing. Right on. And I am Lonnie Lowry. I'm a food industry consultant, adjunct professor, former competitive bodybuilder. Just us today. Yes, it is. The other uh, guys are out. So you get Lonnie and Phil. So Yeah. And, you know, I was going to lean on Mike for one of these questions, too. We have a number of listener questions building up already. So I guess the word is out. I'm trying to build up our Facebook presence and online stuff. And there's an email newsletter I should tell everybody right now as well. Um, you can email Phil or myself. Uh, my email, I have one of these kind of trampy emails. It's all over online, so I don't mind giving it out. It's lawnman7 at hotmail.com. If anybody wants on the mailing list, just email me and I'll, I'll put you on the mailing list. Uh, or I'll point you to a web page where you can do that. Because all, all we're going to do is send out like the show notes and the audio of what Phil and I are doing today. That's all we do every week. So don't expect a ton of extra content. Maybe a early heads up if we do a contest or something. Anyway, so yeah, the, the questions have built up. Uh, I actually want to start with one, Phil, that has been irritating me lately. It's almost a rant. Uh, okay. So since I'm relegated to planet fatness, uh, I see <laughs> I see these trends. And I go all over to these, right? So this isn't one location. It seems to be something the trainers – I don't know if it's just a trend. They're looking at it on social media, if the trainers are doing this. and But everybody is doing like these unilateral movements. Uh, a good example would be like – top of one foot on a bench the other foot is planted on the floor and they're doing one one legged like dumbbell um lunges if you will like stationary lunges but it's that kind of thing and so i looked online and there was an article about i think it was like the top 10 most controversial fitness uh, issues uh of today and one of them was unilateral versus bilateral and the guy was saying, this is such a controversy. I just want to defend bilateral training that it's not useless. And I'm just scratching my head, right? This is starting to kind of, well, frankly, piss me off. Like, mm-hmm. what do you mean bilateral? Whoever, nobody ever said that was you. Who's saying that's useless? You know, uh, deadlifts, squats. I mean, pick this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how this is even a controversy, but I thought I, I could just pick your brain about why do you think, and I know you don't lift <laughs> mm-hmm. fitness, but why why do you think people are doing that? Is it a trend or do you think yeah, it's just it unique a, to them? No, I think it's a trend right now. Again, it's the old is becoming new thing again. And we saw like the resurgence of the powerlifting moves and weightlifting with CrossFit. And now it's just the next trend that's going on. Now everybody's moving to the Bulgarian split squats and things like that. And a lot of it, I think, is the old uh, uh, the feel factor. Like it's real easy to make somebody sore with a set of Bulgarian split squats and not so much once somebody's used to squatting. Uh, like there's sessions that you might not be sore and they're like, oh, well, I didn't get a good workout. And Yeah, it's just become the next. It's the next evolution down the line to the latest craze. Like, It's like what the hell was it? We had a Tiger Woods trainer said one time like he was having him swing and hit golf balls on one leg and it's like, if he does it on one leg, that has to be twice as effective as practicing on two. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. 
Oh you're an God. idiot. Yeah. You know, type of no, thing. yeah. And, uh, you're hoping for like 100% train, transferability into yes. a, and that's not, yeah, that's not going to be the case necessarily. In fact, one of the things, the first thing that came to my mind was there's something called the bilateral deficit, right? Which average people who don't squat, for example, or leg press kind of thing, if you do left leg plus right leg, it's a bigger number than if they do both together. Mm. But if somebody's used to training bilaterally, which I think is a more natural kind of movement, that's my bias, but yeah. they don't exhibit the bilateral deficit, right? Their experience, they, their nervous system mm -hmm. is now trained differently to say, push a lot with both legs, coordinate those two legs, yeah. and you'll be better off. But there was a comment in that piece about, well, I guess if you're a power lifter, you know, then it might be worthwhile. And I'm thinking, do you think <laughs> since, <laughs> since all of the movements are bilateral in competition, yeah. Um, yeah. you don't have to defend this. It sort of struck me as, as this idea of uh, whipping up a bogus controversy so you can yes. try to defend it. It's almost like the they used to do this in Muscle Mag International. Uh, Rob and I used to laugh about this. My God, 20, 30 years ago, they would present bogus supplements or, or steroidal drugs that were supposedly on the black market. They're just a lie. They would even put really lame. Well, I don't know if I would call it photoshopped back in the day, but, you know, lame fake labels on there. And then they would rail against this straw man kind of problem. That's not even a problem. Yeah. And I, I feel like this is. I, I don't know if it's even a controversy. I could see how it's a trend because you remember back in the day when yeah, and I think, training yeah, took off. Yes. Yeah. And I think that like the, the author's probably blowing out of perspective, but it is trendy right now. But I don't see anybody like vehemently hating on bilateral movements, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it's just yeah. like the bridge trend. Like there's tons of that. Go That became trendy to the point people were like selling specified pieces of equipment to do glue bridges when it's like really all we need is a bench and some weight uh so right right and the yeah, the, the, the whole fake news coming out like glute bridges are 17 times more effective than the squat and training your glutes and blah 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 so right yeah i mean as someone who doesn't care i'm really pretty set in my ways i admit it's hard to not be and you know after 30 or 40 years of doing this kind of stuff but yeah, the what I would call the the barbell hip thrusts kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's lined up on the Smith machines. I mean, it's so popular. It made me wonder if it was a big box chain. Is it a planet fatness kind of thing? Just because, I mean, at any given time, two of the four Smith machines, someone is doing these, you know, weighted, you know, they got the barbell across their mm -hmm. lap, just religiously. And I'm like, you know, if you're after posterior chain or squat, you could just sort of deadlift and squat, yeah. you know, um, that's maybe that's just me. I don't know. Yeah. That's just hard work though. Oh, you know, good yeah. point. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. It's hard. Squatting and deadlifting is hard. <laughs> well, and you don't feel, I think part of it comes down to that. People want to feel that like isolated burn yeah and you don't get that as much in a a big uh, compound move mm -hmm. you know you can really like on a leg extension machine i can get on a leg extension machine and make my quads pump up safely but if i try and get that same effect on a squat like i'm probably getting crushed so yeah, yeah. but and i think people there's a 
just something in people that they like that that pump you know arnold talked about but uh now is it more effective no arguably no 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 i feel like that you know phil you talked about like not getting sore when you're used to squatting but i i can tell you if <clears throat> if i'm not regularly doing uh leg work or whatever kind um and i usually do i don't know why i wouldn't but you know you sometimes you take time away you come back you squat and you're wrecked like from your hips to your ankles you're yeah. wrecked because you haven't been doing it and if i were to do leg extensions or any one of those inane machines uh even leg presses it wouldn't do it wouldn't wreck me the way that the squats mm. do you know that like whole lower body whole activation body. yeah, yeah. Um, it's a different kind of soreness for sure. So squatting gives you that. It's like deep down everything, like everything below the waist is sore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but while you're doing it, yeah, it's just that whole body effort. Like Arnold used to say, it's really hard to do that, yeah. you know, and you don't feel a quad pump. Even if you do high rep squats, usually for me, it was my lower back would start mm-hmm. to go a little bit or yep. you just get gas, just get winded. Yep. yep. No, for sure. So. Okay. Yeah. I just wondered about that. It, like if this, is this a trend again, but it's a great point you make about full circle. Like, I don't know if it was 10, 15 years ago, I lose track, but everything was instability training. If you remember, mm-hmm. and this is kind of the same kind of thing. Well, I have to stabilize if I'm on one leg and yes, I'm like, well, congratulations, but what's that really getting you? Um, yeah. unless you're a specific kind of athlete and that is directly in line with your sport, I, uh, you know, if you're just after size and a lot of these guys I see doing this, they're clearly, they want to be beefy. They want to be jacked. Yeah. I'm like, just squat, man. Well, you that's a hundred percent and arguably even for sport. That's what I hate people. Like they, it's not as prevalent now, but for a little while there, there were all these sports specific places opening up. It was like literally their, their weight room training should be fucking simple you know if you're a football player you're gonna get all that those hours you spend out on the field practicing your sport you're gonna get millions of unilateral moves in that's right like the weight room is just there to you know as a a a way to bring up little weak points and things keep your training simple in there Mm -hmm. and build a bigger engine yes and and also just harder to hurt you like that's the one thing about big compound moves if you're doing it smartly there's not as high of an injury risk as isolating little moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but. in fact, I, I have been um, injury after injury since I've been lifting in this chain, and I really I blame the machines part. Now it's partly my age. Let me be honest, but yeah. it's the machines too. They're all this, you know, sagittal plane, partial range of motion. Even when you squat, and maybe this is one of the reasons I see the people doing like the, you know, the glute thrust type of hip thrust with the Smith machine barbell is because. There's there, you can't grab a free floating 45 pound bar in that gym. Mm. And so I've noticed my forearms are smaller. I'm getting injured in weird ways where I just long for just free weights. I mean, you can grab dumbbells up to some of them have 60 pound limit. Some have 75, at least that's something. But as far as barbell, because I agree with you. I mean, I grew up in my teen years, just grabbing a barbell curls, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, French presses, triceps benching squatting deadlifting just just barbell work freestanding no. barbell work three sets of 10 gets you pretty far just out of the gate i think yep and all this foam rolling and balancing on one leg and you're 
contorted into a yoga position. I'm just like, okay, I guess. I don't know. Just why don't, but you're small, and there's a reason you're small, Mr. Fancy Pants. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's assault. Anyway, yeah. Okay. I appreciate that because I wasn't sure, you know, how much of that was um, just what I was seeing versus, like I said, what I saw online made it sound like it, it is a point of discussion and, you know, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I do have a listener question here, um, and I thought let's answer the question before we go to break, and then we come back. We can just talk about this, how it affects us, or you know, our perspective on this. But so this was sent through Facebook. Uh, Jeff, I want to say Jeff. Jeff, you know who you are. Just one energy drink reduces endothelial function. Now, this is not brand new. This was written by. Um, Sue Hughes back in late 2018, but it's circulating again. Like, you know, like you said, if things just keep coming back up, uh, here's a quote beyond endothelial function. Other studies also being presented at this meeting. I think it's American heart association meeting show that energy drinks are associated with higher platelet aggregation and effects on the nervous system. Well, the second part of that quote has me rolling my eyes a little. Of course, they affect your nervous system. That's the mm-hmm. point of an energy drink, yeah. is, is it not? Now, making your blood stickier, more likely to clot with platelet aggregation, that doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it goes on. It, it's quoting this researcher, Higgins. It says, Higgins explained that energy drinks generally contain uh, the key ingredients, caffeine, sugar, and a proprietary energy mix that can include amino acids such as taurine, I might also add tyrosine. I mean, they put all kinds of individual mm-hmm. brain chains and vitamins. Now, to me, it's that proprietary blend that has me raising the eyebrow. Like, I really want to know a little bit more about like, exa- exactly what's in there. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see them stack stimulants with depressant type things. You know, and I talked about this on the air ages ago. But one supplement company that I was consulting with, I'm like, are you aware that you have stimulant and depressant herbs in here? And he's like, oh, Lonnie, Lonnie, Lonnie. He said that the stimulants bring you up and the depressants smooth it out. And I'm like, <sighs> in a perfect world, or let me just posit another hypothesis for you here. Or they contradict each other in some weird way, you know, and mm-hmm. they block each other's effects. Anyway, it says because energy drinks are considered to be herbal products or supplements, they are subject to minimal regulation. They can be marketed without stringent safety requirements from the FDA that are applied to drugs. Well, we're back to what we talked about last week. Don't pretend that these supplements are not regulated. Dietary supplements are indeed regulated. But this author goes on to say, these energy drinks need to be regulated like drugs. Now, I can't remember how many billion with a B it takes to create a new drug, but I just fundamentally don't really agree with that. I'm not sure they're used, you know, they're not literally not used to treat or prevent disease and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, are they a great area? Sure, they are. Um, this article goes on. And again, thanks to uh, Jeff for sending this. It says there's various types of contraindicated people where energy drinks could be dangerous. It says uh, with certain medical conditions, uh, people on Ritalin. Well, of course, that's amphetamine. Mm-hmm. You're not going to stack yeah. an energy drink on top of amphetamine. To me, this, maybe this is obvious, but I would think anybody knows, anybody on Ritalin knows <laughs> they're mm-hmm. on it, Ritalin. 
and yep. you know to stack hundreds of milligrams of caffeine and other weird herbs on top of that i don't that should be a no-brainer maybe we do need to get the word out about that i read from other sources even people who are caffeine naive can have all kinds of problems i'm not sure i would agree with that i was just talking to dawn anderson at issn and one of her big takeaways from the literature something that i kept seeing too in this paper that i just worked on which was if you're naive it doesn't make you supremely sensitive and then you're when you're habituated you're very numbed to it and it doesn't work at all it, it mm -hmm. doesn't quite work that way habituation is not a complete black and white um it says the marketing of these drinks to young people has to stop the message mm -hmm. should be spread that they can be especially harmful before strenuous exercise mm -hmm. especially harmful before strenuous exercise i mean that's why pre-workouts exist that's their purpose. yeah I mean, you would hope that's why most people are using them. Sadly, I do see a lot of people use energetic stuff just to get get by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, that's a different different story. So. But what he says, especially harmful before exercise, um, when you exercise, you tend to burn through caffeine more quickly and things like that. But uh, you're right. I have seen students walk around with these bucket-sized monsters just up and down the hallway, just, just sipping on them all day long. I'm like, yeah. what do you do? What are you doing? Yeah. Oh, here it says the mixture of stimulants and depressants can be dangerous. I think they're talking about stacking this with alcohol at this point, like a party scenario. But yeah. um, I agree with that one. You, again, you see that in those weird proprietary blends. It's like you've got stimulants and, and depressants mixed together here. This is weird. Now, to the point of the article, taking this back to the point, flow-mediated dilation is an important endpoint because it indicates the general health of blood vessels. It says these researchers work uh, looked at the connection between long-term energy drink consumption and endothelial function. So if people aren't familiar, right, you want blood vessels that can be pliable. They can dilate when you need them to dilate and all that kind of thing. Um, I actually pulled a paper just to add something a little more modern to this. Let me find this here. Uh, here it is. Energy drinks effect on hemodynamics and endothelial function in young adults. So the people who are following along here, this is not just in old people that are, you know, have cardiovascular disease. In fact, that's one of the issues. If those are the vulnerable groups, maybe they should be studied in some way. This is a 2021 paper from cardiology, Higgins and colleagues. It says energy drink consumption resulted in a significantly attenuated peak flow mediated dilation response. In other words, at baseline, 5.1 plus or minus 4% versus post-energy drink, it was only 2.8 plus or minus about 3 or 4%. So they can't dilate like they should, right? Because they're constricted down from all the stimulants. In addition, systolic and diastolic blood pressure and heart rate increased after 15 minutes. So yeah, diastolic blood pressure, right? Between beats, the background, the lower number, right? 120 over 80. So the, the 80 in this case, it's going to be higher. Uh, energy drink consumption was associated with acute significant impairment in endothelial function in young, healthy adults. Now, to me, that's just what stimulants do. Um, and that's one of the reasons I'm such a hippie about coffee, because coffee doesn't necessarily do that. Um, there was a paper, 2014 paper by Higashi. It was just a big review. And I know about this because I was just writing about this in an academic paper of my own. But it says it's expected that ingestion of coffee has beneficial effects on endothelial function through enhancement of NO bioavailability. It just says, however, the effects of coffee and caffeine on endothelial function are controversial. So th because there's this weird um, 
paradoxical effect where if caffeine's going to squeeze down your certain blood vessels, then some of those antioxidants like chlorogenic acid, they're going to open them up. It's another possibility from my perspective. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of biased in this way. I have to be careful that coffee is probably a better choice than random pre-workout or energy drink, I guess. Um, well, that's usually the case. And it's just because of what you said. I think the biggest problem is the battle to pack novel ingredients in the can. Like they'll put ingredients in there just because it's popular right now. Like ingredients become just like the fitness industry. There's trends. There's trends in the supplement industry too. And you'll see ingredients like make comebacks for a short amount of time. And they'll just shove it in there just because it's trendy. It's like it's not doing shit. Or they'll shove in not enough of something to do anything. But they say it's in there if it's an expensive ingredient. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's probably the biggest problem in, in between the two. You know, it's just like <laughs> when we talk about with food. Like the best foods are one ingredient long. <laughs> yeah. So if your can yeah. has 57 ingredients on the back of it. Right. Yeah. As opposed to uh, rice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just rice. Just yeah. rice. So. No, it's a good point. Like, I've seen some things cycle back through. And I don't know what the time frame is on this. Is it five years? Is it 10 years? They got to let, they, they have to let the current crowd who experimented and saw yes. it fail, they have to let them yeah. age out. <laughs> yeah. And they have to have a whole new crowd that they can market to. Yeah. Something yeah. new and novel. Yeah. I, and I don't know what, you know, the marketing time frame is. It seems to be like somewhere around five years, but. In my opinion, they tried to do that when ephedrine got banned. And ephedrine is a very strong presser drug. Talk about a stimulant that, you know, vasoconstricts yeah. you. Literally used like as a presser drug in clinical settings to try to drive up people with failing blood pressure kind of thing. But but the point being is, so they tried to replace this with like synephrine, mm -hmm. bitter orange or green, citrus aurantium, whatever. And uh, in, in practice, in real life, it was the poorest replacement imaginable. It seemed to bring some of the side effects with none of the main effect. Yeah. Like you don't feel super clear and wired and stronger or more explosive. And yet you're still going to end up with uh, like blood pressure issues and some of the yeah. other stuff. That's my bias thinking back on that. Right. And, and so you see that come back and you're like, it didn't work then. It's not going to work yeah. now. It's just not a, it's not as good of a stimulant. Um, as far as the reason people were buying stuff like mini thins and I'm not yeah. championing those. I mean, that's a, that's a dangerous med when it's misused. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, they circulate it back as an alternative. And I don't know, I've heard before from marketers, yeah, uh, from dietary supplement companies that, oh, there's every year, there's a new batch of 16 year olds to take advantage of. Oh yeah. Yep. So maybe it's not even that much of a cycle. Um, but in practice, I think you and I have both seen it cycled. It's not like yeah, I've seen it. Marketing. Yeah, it definitely cycles out. And there's there's several years there. Like I said, you have to let the bad because it gets out pretty quick when something doesn't work. So you have to let that die down again because if not, everybody's just going to shoot it down right when you put it out. But yeah. yeah, even online, even though online the turnover is much faster, uh, and you could probably find pockets of people who champion almost any food oh, or yeah. ingre oh. any ingredient, any diet. But at the same time. Yeah, even that, we both know, after a couple of years, things fade away. I mean, things drop yep. off the bottom of a Facebook page way faster than they used to on forums, yep. you know, and stuff like that. So you almost lose collective wisdom of yep. what works and what doesn't because how quickly people forget this stuff. I don't know. Yep. 
All right, uh, we're going to go to break, everybody. When we come back, uh, Phil and I are just going to talk about how we've done pre-workout stuff over the years. Uh, and then, Phil, especially with your uh, competing and stuff. Yeah, competing and clients and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, okay. if you, are there times where you use one thing and not others or whatever? So, okay. Sounds good. Hey, everybody. Iron Radio is back and in an expanded way. What can you expect? Well, first, you can get it simulcast every week on the NutritionRadio.org network as well as on the original podcast. It'll appear regularly on iTunes, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting sites. We have a new Iron Radio slash Nutrition Radio Facebook page as well. Please check us out. We're even backed up on YouTube. Second, please tell your friends who are longtime loyal listeners that they may see emails that share just the episode link and the show notes. This is a new thing, and we hope it will build community. Third, if you are a supporting member in the past, we may prompt you to resume through PayPal, but we will confirm each and every donor before reinstating that membership category. We'll never just restart your $4 auto payments without agreement from you. And of course, we will accept new members moving forward as well. Starting back slowly and honorably is the goal. And lastly, expect the sister show, Nutrition Radio, to expand into once-weekly 45- to 60-minute episodes with guest co-hosts covering the same nerdy nutrition news that's been broadcast for a few months now in daily 10-minute clips. We hope that an expanded presence will get you the news, education, banter, and guests that's made Iron Radio's community so loyal from the start. You are appreciated. Okay, guys, we're back. We are going to talk about... Energy drinks and uh, pre-workouts, things like that, how we use them, the practical use of them. Um, for me, God, it depends. But, I mean, what I've leaned to in recent years is limited use, meaning I, I personally use an energy drink or pre-workout once a week. And that's on my biggest day, which is today, um, which is my squat, my deadlift. And then we go throw Highland Games. So it's my hardest, arguably my hardest training day of the week. Um, and I just use that for a, that's my concentration on the whole week is this day. Like the other days count, but this is the most important day to me. This is the one I want to be firing on and things like that. And uh, like if it's a, if I have a competition coming up, this is always the most important day. Whatever that competition day is, is going to be on this day. So I, try and treat this day as much as i would uh as important as a, as a competition so we kind of i use that day to you know treat it like competition day i'm going to use the stimulant in competition and things like that um and i think there's just something to be said for on my other days just punching the clock without feeling like superman you know <laughs> right uh, knowing you can do it without without being jacked up uh and i don't know i get I get more of an effect out of it. I think like if I was just jacked up, I've done it before. I've like taken tons of caffeine before every workout and, uh, and it could be just mental. Like I don't have, I know that feeling, you know, and I equate that feeling of being on the stimulant and things like that with, uh, okay, it's go time. You know, it's important time. Whereas if I just a regular training dam out there, you know, all I had was some water, uh, I don't have that feel to it. You know, it doesn't have the same feel. So, like I said, it's probably a mental thing at that point. But, uh, 
know, you just try to mimic those hard days. And I try and do that with my clients. I think, I don't know, I've seen too many people. The trend now is like people live on those damn things. Like I see old people yeah. stuff, grabbing four and five of them a day. And it's like, it's not in any way good for you. Uh, the latest one I've started going to, just I'm in no way sponsored by these people or anything, but Gatorade came out with an energy drink now. And basically it's just their electrolyte drink plus caffeine. And it doesn't yeah. have a bunch of other bullshit. Uh, yeah. And then I'm also not, I tend to be, I tend to pick up my energy drink or whatever it is on the way to the gym, which is only a 10 minute drive. So if I slam a bubbly ass monster, I'm like burping and <laughs> the Gatorade yeah. slamming, the Gatorade's like slamming water. Yeah. So, good point. Yep. Um, I'll do that. And then if I have, I don't know, I've had pre-workouts and I treat them the same way, you know, I, like an energy drink is no different than a pre-workout to me. Uh, so. I'll just pick one or the other, whichever's handy, and that's what I'm having, and it's it's go time. So, and I try and get my clients to basically do the same thing, not live on it. Like I want you to be able to function. It's like any crutch, you know. If people only train with, you know, once they're thrown out of their routine, like they have an exact, then they're fucked. Like if they don't have the perfect plates and things like that, you should be able to train anywhere at any time, but uh, under any circumstances, but. You know, some people get so caught up in that routine that then they're broken if they don't have their exact bar and things like that. And it's like, well, what's going to happen in real life? Like, how in many competitions? competitions? How yeah. many competitions have I been to that something broke and we had to change things and stuff like that? So, yeah, uh, yeah, and I don't, know, I just don't think you should be living on that crap. I mean, not that I don't have coffee every morning, but uh, like we talked about it, that's arguably different. So, yeah, I, I, caffeine is so polarizing. Uh, and I think it's because some people, they just suffer more from the anxiety type effects later in the day if they do yeah. overdo it when they work out or whatever. Uh, my experience has always been that if I if I do some kind of pre-workout, and I think for the last 20 years, it's mostly just been caffeine and strong coffee, you know. Mm -hmm. But when I work out, it doesn't bite me in the butt nearly as badly later. I guess heightened clearance you know, that kind of thing. It sounds kind of ignorant to say, oh, you burn through it when you exercise. But I've actually looked at research on this and the enzymes responsible for breaking it down. They probably do break it down more quickly, you know, when you're training that kind of stuff. I just feel like I've expended a lot of energy through my nervous system. The wires of my nervous system got thoroughly worked and my body's like, okay, you can relax now. Mm -hmm. As opposed to like what you were saying, w walking around and, you know, living on this stuff all the time. Um, what are you doing, right? Because if you value your workout, to me, it was always part of the ritual. You know, sit around and have coffee beforehand. And Fortress and I used to do that. We'd watch metal videos and just drink. He'd make a pot of black coffee. We'd split mm -hmm. the pot of coffee and then we'd go to the gym and, you know, feel like you're ready to run through a wall. Um, but that's partly because it's part of that ritual. Just like there's a sleep ritual, I think people have lost, well, maybe not. I mean, some people, they may have lost this idea that the coffee or the pre-workout or whatever you're doing it can be part of that pre-workout ritual and really help underwrite what you're trying to achieve, you know, because yeah. like back in the day, remember Tom Platts, he talked like he would look forward to a leg workout two weeks ahead of time. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. really extreme, <laughs> but yeah. you can't be in a pre-workout ritual that whole time. But it does it does kind of emphasize that people, they need to get their head in the game. Yes. And this is one way to do it, I think. Like you turn on your sympathetic nervous system on purpose you find out what kind of tolerance you have. Um, I, I'll tell you, over the years, I think the main trend in stimulus that I never did, I tried it once. 
And I just didn't like how I felt was DMAA. You know, the FDA has warnings about it. In fact, I just opened the website here. Uh, 1,3-diethylamylamine. So it's, of course, people say DMAA. Geranium extract, it says, often touted as a natural stimulant, but FDA is not aware of any reliable science indicating that it exists naturally in plants. That was always the concern, right? The, the debate was, yes, it's in geraniums. We get to sell it as a supplement. And FDA would say, no, we don't see that. But they basically warned against it because of uh, shortness of breath, tightening of the chest, heart attack, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I actually, I never used it. I have no doubt uh, because it's an amphetamine derivative that it would be strong. Did you ever try DMAA? Yeah, it worked. It, yeah? It, it definitely worked. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when everybody, because the first one that came out with that was that uh, USB lab Jack 3D. Yes. And, like, and when it went out, everybody was buying it off the shelves, trying to get a hold of it. But uh, yeah, I yeah. mean, no, it definitely. But so did I. Don't know if it worked any better than uh, like we were like talking ephedrine. about ephedrine and ephedrine and caffeine yeah. and yeah, know, aspirin. Right, the ECA stack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was great. You know. Oh man, I mean, just for, the latest. They all love no that. So they need to do something. So. Yeah, and you know. Uh, you could find there were a lot of studies on weight loss too because it also stimulants tend to cause an anorectic effect right and i think our listeners know but pre-workout ingredients they're often the same ingredients that are in like weight management types of supplements right because stimulants kill your appetite they don't just turn on like neuromuscular activity you know and um yeah ephedra or ephedrine um it, it definitely did that. There were studies that said that that can be used safely, but that was under a lot of medical supervision and people weren't doing stupid stuff, um, you know, overdosing it and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's long gone. The DMAA stuff, that, I believe that's long gone, right? Isn't yeah, that? Yeah, they the all it. Yep. Yeah. Because um, I know the FDA was sending warning letters and seizing stuff and everything yep. else. So, um yeah, I, I guess that's what I would challenge listeners to think about is why are you doing it? You know, is it to help get you in your head in the game um, and you're kind of priming the pump and you're doing it along with something else? Or like you said, Phil, are you just mindlessly just using it all the time? And then yeah. what's, kind of what's the point? You can't think that that's going to be as good when it comes to that sacred workout. Um, well, and that's one thing. I, I mean, I get your, and I 100% agree. Like everybody needs a ritual. Um, I think the reason I moved away from caffeine every day is also my realization that every training day doesn't need to be and shouldn't be balls out. So mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. need the stimulants. You know, I'm, I know that I can go in there and like Saturday is not my only day that I work lower body stuff, but it's the one day I go all out. And then my other days are easier workouts. You know, it's like, why am I going to get all jacked up on caffeine for my easy workout? Because then I know me. I know what I'm going to do. And that supposed to be easy workout is going to turn into the not easy workout. <laughs> and, uh, right. That's if right. I go through that ritual. So I think it's also my way of it's ritualistic and it's and I'm breaking the ritual. You know, I'm not doing my ritual of, OK, here's what you do on a hard day. Like this is going to I'm going in there and I'm going to bust ass. So here's what I do. And mm -hmm. if I don't do some of those things, then I give myself the okay to uh, to like, oh, just ease back a little bit today. Today's a, you know, we're working on form. We're working on this, that. So Right. Yeah, I know that th there's been times you talked about like having some of your uh, 
guys on your team, your clients, like, I just want you to do a hundred reps with curls today. Just go get in some volume. Yeah. Go do some. Yep. Why would you get completely, you know, head mushroom cloud blown, <laughs> blown away yeah. to, to do something like that? Yes. Uh, you're just putting in some volume. Yep. Uh, in, in a way, it, it's a, it's a similar philosophy, I think, is that you're saving for go time. Yes. You know, it's the same reason I don't walk around with full strength coffee in my hand all the time, or I'm not, I'm not living on, you know, herbal stimulants or whatever all the time, because, uh, especially I think as you get older too, it's just going to mess with you more. You're more likely to have blood pressure problems yeah. or arrhythmias or, or whatever. Um, but to your point, yeah, I went back in the day, I would do it before every single workout because, you know, the bodybuilder mentality is drive yourself into the dust, yeah. you know, uh, and I would do every single workout and I was constantly dealing with overtraining, right? Like yeah. head colds, yep. uh, minor nagging injuries, even when I was young, all that kind of stuff, uh, just burned out or, or after a while, I think you overtrain hard enough. It's like that Andy Fry research from decades ago, which was, you start to lose like your, um, adrenaline receptor ability. Mm. Like you literally have less beta beta two, I think, uh, receptor affinity. You can't even you can't even tickle those receptors and get anything out of them anymore. Yeah. And I mean, and that's one of the reasons I got so turned on about recovery immediately after those brutal workouts. If you don't do something proactive, um, and there's a lot of different things you can do. And I was not always really good about it, but it's like the opposite. It's like, how do I then turn on parasympathetic, the other nerve part of my, you know, um, autonomic nervous system. And wh whether it's like a nice hot shower, hot, cold contrast shower, or a, massage or listen to music and stretch at the end or just have a calm conversation with some of your gym buddies like bring it down cool yeah. your jets uh and that's why i almost had to start doing that because i was overdoing the every single workout just you know i you had to be running through the wall crazy wired um and i think that's where where powerlifting and bodybuilding often differs not always but often right like i, I always look at you guys like guys who would just uh self-administer a dose like i'm doing this many sets at this percent yeah. that's my dose of iron for the day yeah and bodybuilders like two more reps bro no matter what <laughs> yeah but i mean at the same time i don't think like our training bodybuilders and power lifters are are a lot the same at the same time and that's the one thing i don't like with the stimulants of things like i understand why somebody getting ready for a bodybuilding competition or a powerlifting meet and they're going in there and they are training fucking hard wants a stimulant uh yeah like that's what it's for you know? yeah uh, it's the it's when people take them every day to go do you know tricep kickbacks and accessory work and, yeah and all the things we talked about at the beginning of the show like if you're doing fucking a bunch of caffeine to do some lunges there's an issue yeah <laughs> right right you know you see all these people train and the, the the flat out fact is most of the population will never train like competitive powerlifter or competitive bodybuilder like you take your training to a different level of training and the meaning of it is even different um, and that's where the rituals come in and things like that and i think it's i don't know it's become ritualistic too it's become trendy like what do you do when you go to the gym you take a pre-workout you do this you do that you know, it's all these things you should do, even though you're not going in there and training hard. And is that, I don't know what I'm getting at is like with anything else. Like if we pumped Lonnie full of a bunch of steroids and he didn't train, he wouldn't be jacked. 
Yeah. Like there's a lot of misuse of valuable things and the probably overuse with the energy drinks. Right. We've had these discussions in years past, even with anabolics and stuff. It's like, are you doing it as part of a higher purpose Mm -hmm. uh, or are you just doing it because, you know, you had access and people are saying, here, you need this, bro. You know, um, that's not the same thing. You know, guys like Bill Pearl, they used to do that kind of stuff or so I've heard as just recovery agents so they can train hard and yeah. And it's or with a stimulant, be kind of the opposite. It's more of a stimulant versus just building kind of thing but same idea that it's part of a an overall program that they were trying to pursue instead of just mindlessly doing stuff because yeah. social media told them to or or something i don't know yeah the ritual but i mean just because we tied into the ritual thing i mean it is very important like there's a reason why like there's tons of people out there that like train in their singlet every day and stuff like that and i was the opposite it was like i never trained in my singlet because i know i equated that to like the ritualistic effect of uh, that was my game time uniform. You, yeah, you competition practice, only. You have your practice uniform and your game time uniform. Mm-hmm. And it's like when you put on that game time uniform, now it's time to go. Everything else has been practice. You know, right. this is what all that practice is for. And it's the same thing like with I feel with the stimulants. You know, if yeah. I was just doing that all the time, like if I was in my single all the time, it didn't mean a thing. If I was jacked up on caffeine all the time, it's just different. You know, I know like, okay, the thing that's on the caffeine's in, it's real. It's time to go, you know? And you like, yeah. I can't train at that level all the time. And I learned that like, you can't train at a competitive level and expect to not be riddled with injuries. Like I am. So, you know, <laughs> I learned from that. no, that's right. Wisdom, <laughs> wisdom. My wife and I, we saw the Incredibles movie the other day. And that's a great cartoon because there's a lot of stuff in there for adults too, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. But at one point, I think it was the second movie that he said something about when everybody's super, no one is. Yes. And it's kind of like what we're talking about now. When you're always wired, how do you even know when you are? Yes. You know, it's not special anymore. It's not. Yeah. So it does take some level of discipline, I would think. Um especially for the the bodybuilder, because I don't know if you're doing like a three-way split, if you do like a chest arms and day and a back day and a leg day, you're always wanting to hit it hard. But even then I would think that, you know, some kind of undulating periodization, maybe every third workout, you just do light volume work or, or whatever. And then, yeah, you should be able to titrate up and down what you do beforehand. And if uh, some type of stimulant is part of that ritual, you know, I get it, but Anyway, yeah, that's just, and obviously there's going to be all this talk about some people can't deal with it genetically or if they're on other meds and all that kind of stuff. And that's where those proprietary blends get kind of scary because like how, what else is in here? How is this going to affect me? Nobody knows how this is going to interact with my other stuff. So to me, that's a lot of stuff where people need to have some level of common sense or education and like, you know, listen, I'm on Ritalin. I better not do that. (laughs) Like this is way stronger than any weird little blend. I'm going to slam in a monster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that falls down into personal responsibility uh, to me. I think so. Like Mm -hmm. it's on you to know, like I'm taking all this shit. Maybe I shouldn't take that, you know? Right. No, I, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that's pretty much all I had. Like I said, um, thanks for that piece, Jeff, because, you know, it was a little bit older piece, but it, it does bring up a lot of stuff. There are definitely people in the literature that are really down on all energy drinks. I, you know, I kind of get it. 
I don't want people to think that they're completely unregulated. They are not. They are in a weird gray area, as I understand with the FDA. They're not like a soda. They're also not a pre-workout pill or powder. Energy drinks are probably in this weird category, and it's mostly caffeine. I mean, let's face it, caffeine works for almost everybody. Otherwise, coffee, coffee and tea wouldn't be the most drank beverage in the world kind of yeah. thing. And um, yeah, it, but it is worth noting that they are going to do things like mess with your blood pressure and stuff like that. If you have heart problems or blood pressure problems, just don't or limit yourself to, you know, an, a small cup of coffee or whatever you can tolerate and ask your doctor or something like you said, personal responsibility. Yeah, don't don't take too much. I remember I forgot what study it was. You were talking about something and people were using like five milligrams per kg and i was like oh fuck i'll try that holy crap balls i went in there had like <laughs> seven, you're too big <laughs> yeah i had like 750 milligrams of caffeine i was like whoo yeah no yeah wow. three to six mg <laughs> kg is the performance enhancing dose even me no way oh, no man. way because i i'm right about 90 kilos these days you know and so even at six that's 540 milligrams yeah. that's like oh, two and man, a half fiverin that yeah. I, I I'd kill myself. There's no yeah. way. And that's with me. I can't get too stimulated. Some of them that get you too like I loved mini thins and but I couldn't train on them because I was too jacked up. Oh my god. And like for for shedding fat and stuff, when you're going on walks and things like that, it's fine. But get too overstimulated and then I gotta calm myself down because I get myself jacked up anyways for lifts. You know, good point. Powerlifters have to think about there. there is, I know it's not as skill oriented as like Olympic lifts, but bodybuilders are just recklessly like, yes, even attacking if things, right? Sloppy doesn't matter. Just get after it. Yep. And with powerlifting, you, you have a very specific movement you have to perform. Oh. And there's going to be the de overdose side of the inverted U, right? Where you're yeah, overdosing. Well, yeah. And there's good. a massive amount of weight. Like it's different. Like I can be totally stimulated and jacked up and like step under. 315 but unracking 770 and being jacked you know your your skin is shaking oh it's not a comfortable feeling no you know because it's already, one more thing to have to control you know yeah your blood pressure is already up and then you're yeah. putting 700 plus pounds on your back Woo. so <laughs> yeah that's a good point all right guys all right yeah until next week all right we'll see you iron radio is accepting donations if you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.